0: Om Bhadram Karne Bhisranu Yamadevaha Bhatram Pashye Maksha Bhirya Jatrah Sthirai Rangai Stushtu Vyashema deva hittin yadayuhoo. Swasthina Swastīna Swasthina puja vishva vedaha. Swasthina stalkshio arishta neemi. Swasthina Om shanti 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 May we hear with our ears what is auspicious. May we see with our eyes what is auspicious. While praying with steady limbs, may we attain the lifespan allotted to us. May Indra bestow well-being on us. May Pushan, the God of the earth, who is all-knowing, bestow well-being on us. May Garuda, the destroyer of evil, Vestival on us. May Brihaspati also bestow well on us. Om Shanti Shanti Shanti. So, we were almost in the last section of the first chapter of the second part of Mundaka Panishad. There are 10 mantras in the first chapter of the second part of Mundaka Panishad. We studied till the eighth mantra. Today, instead of going directly to the ninth and the tenth, which will be the conclusion of this chapter, we will first have a synopsis of what we have studied to conclude with this chapter with the study of the ninth and the tenth mantras. So, in the very first mantra of this chapter, the first part of the second, first chapter of the second part of Mundaka Upanishad, the very first mantra, what it says? Tat etat satyam. Yatha sudiptat pavakat. visfulingaha Sahasrasha. Prabhavante sarupaha. Tatha aksharat vividha somya bhava Prajayante tatra jaeva apiyanti. So, what is the truth? Tat etat satyam. This is the truth. The truth which you have asked for. What is that? As from the blazing fire, yatha sudiptaat pavakat, ingha, the sparks come out. The sparks are sahasrasha prabhavante sarupa. That sarupa means it is essentially of similar nature, though it is, as per the quantity is concerned, it is just a small fraction of the blazing fire. But essentially, in essence, it is Sarupa, it is the same. And there are not only one, there are thousands of such Sahasrasha, thousands of such sparks emanates from the blessing fire. In the same way, from that Akshara Purusha, Akshara, the word Akshara means that which never decays. Akshara means decay, Akshara is a negation. So that undecaying one, the reality in Vedanta, is spoken of as that which never annihilates. It was, it is, it will be. And that's the Akshara, the ultimate reality is the one from which like the sparks in thousands, this all the living beings, the entire creation comes out from that Akshara Purusha, Vividha. And those sparks can be of various kinds, soumya Bhava, Hey Somya, oh the good-natured one, oh the good-looking one, the question which you have asked for that, that's what I am answering. That prajāyante tatrachaya apiyanti. So prajāyante is all this creation from that akshara purusha, just the way the sparks come out from the blazing fire, similarly from that akshara purusha, from that undecaying, imperishable reality, the entire creation comes out like sparks and not only that, Tatracha eva apiyanti and again merges in it. So as you will remember that nowadays to understand this mantra, the modern technology, the modern science can help us in a much better way to understand. And we were taking the example of the electromagnetic transmission, the radiation, that so many TV channels are there. All the TV channels are transmitting in the form of electromagnetic radiation. And now the collective electromagnetic radiation, which is full of information, which is full of the information in the form which which can be decoded, again in the form of light and sound that is all encoded as those electromagnetic radiation is there, it is there as the transmission is in the atmosphere, it is there, it is there radiated. So this collective information of innumerable challenge, we can take it as something like the Akshara Purusha, the one who is in termed in Vedanta as the Saguna Brahma, that the ultimate reality, which is beyond attributes because of ignorance, when finds expression as with attributes, Saguna, then it is a collective expression of the entire creation in the form of all those electromagnetic radiations. What's your personality? What's my personality? The TV channel, which I like, I tune to it from that collective electromagnetic radiation, a particular channel is being downloaded, is being transmitted through the TV, is channelized through the TV and that becomes my world. So Saguna Brahma is like the cosmic mind, the Vedanta says, absolute reality because of ignorance when it finds expression as the universe, the first evolute is the mind, the cosmic mind, not matter. And that mind already has all the ideas, all the ideas which are going to evolve as this tangible universe, just the way an architect before the building is being constructed, he or she will From his imagination draw a blueprint no material has come all the cement the mortar the bricks the timber other things will come in time later first it is conceived in his mind through his imagination so there's the information comes first the data comes first and from that the blueprint is developed and then the work starts then the material comes the same thing has been spoken of here the first is the cosmic mind, which is the collection of all the informations which we find in this universe, finding expression as each and every unit, discrete existence of various nama rupa. Each and every uh, thing in this universe has a particular name, has a particular form, and artha karita has a particular utility. That's what differentiates. But the essence, in essence. They are the same. It is from that same cosmic mind, the same electromagnetic radiation. When it is decoded through your appliance, the TV, then it finds expression in a particular way. Till it was decoded. It was just electromagnetic radiation, but it was, it had the potentiality of differentiation all the electromagnetic radiation radiation till it is decoded. I don't know what it is, but they have all the information, the collective information. When I off the TV, has the electromagnetic radiation vanished? No. The what is being transmitted that still remains as a radiation. So it is a PNT. It's again merging in that. So with this idea it becomes more clearer because now, even in modern neurology, in modern psychology, they have started saying that brain is not the mind. The mind is something non-local, just like the electromagnetic radiation. We, as per our samskaras, as per our latent impressions, as per our past latent impressions, samskaras, as per the circumstances in which we are born, where particular latent impressions are bound to manifest through my life. There are many such latent impressions. All won't find expression at one time. Just the way when I own the TV, I can on any channel. But the channel I tune is the channel which I have a tendency to see. I like. So as per my liking, a particular channel I tune. Similarly, even in my samskara, there are so many sanskara's out there. But in a particular birth, only those sanskaras, those latent impressions manifest for which I have an inordinate attraction, tremendous attachment that's having more force. And that's the tendency which enables me to download a particular type of personality. And when with the death, when the with the death, what happens? Does that electromagnetic radiation is destroyed? No, it remains. If my TV gets damaged, I have I can just have to buy a new TV and connect, again, just tune it to the particular channel, the same transmission will again come. So it is not vanished, it has not died. It is there as the transmission. It is only the psychophysical existence is just the channel through which that finds expression our body, our mind, the brain, everything is just a channel through which that particular mind is finding expression. When it is destroyed, that psychophysical existence, again, it merges with that collective uh, aspect of the cosmic mind. It is still there. So this first sloka starts with the idea of the Saguna Brahma, that the ultimate reality, which is beyond name and form, which is beyond all attributes because of ignorance. How it happens, we don't know. If you ask that how it happens. So here Vedanta boldly says, we don't know. Swami Vivekananda in his lecture on Hinduism at the very uh, first lecture with the paper which he read on Hinduism in Chicago parliament. It is not the first lecture, a short seven minutes lecture, which made him famous after a few days he read a paper on Hinduism. In that he is giving, he's defining the idea of ignorance in our Vedanta very wonderfully. That how the perfect became imperfect. The thing which was beyond all attributes, that homogeneous conscious principle without any distinction, attributes, just the non-dual existence, it was there. How it become first, even as mind, it gets differentiated. Vedanta says, boldly it says, we never try to explain it. Our answer is, we don't know. And that is ignorance. Now the question comes, if I don't know, then how I can ascertain that from there, the mind has came? Why not I take the mind itself is the absolute reality? Why I have to take something beyond that? As we will find, even in the Western psychology, the soul, the spirit is equated with the mind. And they may say, why you have to go beyond the mind? That mind can ultimately speak of my individuality, that it can be equated with the soul. Why have to go beyond it. The Vedanta says a very interesting thing that our spiritual practices, when that Kara vritti, we constantly contemplating of Brahman. When I get rid of all the distractions, the world of name and form falls off. At last, it enables me to go beyond the mind. And there is a state where I, from where I can get a glimpse of that state beyond the mind. Where I find the world of name and form has fallen off, it cannot be described, but what are the things from studying the scriptures, we have found out the two things that when you go to that step beyond the mind, that the world of name and form falls off, it is not there. Now, at present, I can never get rid of my amnes. If I close my eyes, my ears, all my perceptions, and I'm just sitting in one place the world vanishes for me then also i need not have to go to samadhi even just if i can close my perceptions and sit in a dark insulated room the world has vanished for me but what can never be taken away is the sense of amness that i am i am that amness is emanating in a particular time at a particular space i am i know that i am sitting in a particular place so within the time space causation that amnes is emanating it is local i know i am sitting in one place and that where i am sitting from there in that psychophysical existence that amnes is emanating but all the mystics of all the religions say that there is a step when you go beyond the mind not only the perception stops, the all the This phenomenal existence of name and form vanishes. Along with that, that amness suddenly becomes non-local. You don't feel that you are sitting in one place. As you will, uh, if you uh, have read the life of Swami Vivekananda, for the first time when he went into that samadhi, he was pestering Ramakrishna for samadhi. When he, by his grace, went to that state. When he came back, as he was not acquainted with that state, when he was coming out, others heard him shouting that where is my hand, where is my leg, where is my body? Once he was aware of his amnes, but somehow he was not aware of its locality. So these are the two aspects which speaks that that from this state of limited existence, we do go to a state of unlimited existence where the amnesis is still there, but it has no locality. So from that we can easily, from that we can infer, we can just say that from that only we came to this state. If this, from this state we go to that state, naturally we can conclude from that state we came here to this state, that absolute state of absolute existence, where that sat is existing with chit, but awareness, he's aware of his existence and he's in his eternal bliss. From there, he comes to this state. How he comes, we don't know. We can go, We can come out of it, but how we came in it, we can never know. Just to give an example, when we come out of dream, we know we were dreaming. But if I ask you when the dream started, how the dream started, can you ever answer? We can never answer that when it started, how it started, so how ignorance is anadi, they say. There is no adi. I cannot just like the way when the dream started, I don't know. But it has an end. So ignorance is anadi, but it is not ananta. With the dawn of knowledge, the ignorance vanishes. But with the ignorance, the cosmic mind comes into picture. And that has so many This the information of the entire creation is there in it and whatever I see is just a particular aspect of that overall uh, storehouse of information, a particular aspect, a particular information has been downloaded and that has been decoded to give it a form of particular name and form and that's all those discrete existence which we have. So from this standpoint, this really this mantra has become very very powerful means we find what's the thing that what that in those days they 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 never had the language to relate their experience they have experienced something that swami vivekananda in, in one place is saying a very interesting thing that what's the condition of the rishis are like it's the rishi's condition is like a child who is yet to develop some vocabulary he has experienced something but he cannot speak out. He's just making some uh, meaningless sound, noise. He's just babbling. Be- but behind that babbling, there is some realization. So here, they're trying their best with whatever examples they had to, exp- to just relate that experience, which actually speaks of the identification with that cosmic. Consciousness, Cosmic Mind, the Saguna Brahma. And they also realized that beyond that there is a state, because they went beyond the mind. So they knew that there is a state where there, where the mind falls off, there is no attributes, but there is something which is still there, but which cannot be defined with the help of attributes. Just when I see a red flower, the redness, its fragrance are the attributes. If you leave off the attributes, can I describe the flower? I cannot. But there is something in essence. That's the thing. The Rishis are saying that there is in essence something beyond even that cosmic mind, which from which the cosmic mind has emanated. But that cannot be in any way described with the help of attributes. So that's nirguna, nirguna aspect of the Brahman is being described in the next mantra. What it is? Divya Amurtha Purusha. Divya. is self luminous ultimate source of luminosity is that Nirguna Brahman. Because of him, the entire creation has come into existence. As Sri Ramakrishna used to say, that after one, if you go on adding zero, the value goes on increasing. 10, 10,000, 100,000, ten, thousand, million, like that the value will go on increasing. Remove the one, everything is zero. So as long as that one is there, the zeros, goes on adding up the value. The entire creation, even with the cosmic mind, even the cosmic mind is zero. Unless that one, the Nirguna Brahman, the ultimate Brahman, the non-dual Brahman, is there to illumine, to give value to the entire creation. So he is the Divya, self-luminous. But at the same time, he is formless, Amurta. There's, there's no attributes, with no attributes I can define him. Ampurta Purusha. Sabhaya He is within and without. So that speaks of that the creation is not Parinama. It is not transformation. It is superimposition. Just the way a rope is lying in the twilight hours, I see it as a snake. That snake, as long as I see the snake, that snake is totally permeated by nothing but that rope. So this entire creation is permeated by that Nirguna Brahman because that is appearing because of ignorance as this creation. So it is uncreated. Because of ignorance, the snake is visible at certain point of time. But the rope was. The rope was there before the ignorance, will be there as long as the ignorance persists and it will again vanish the snake will again vanish the moment the ignorance falls off someone brings the torch focuses the light and i see the rope the snake has vanished so the rope was there is there will be there the snake came into existence because of ignorance at a certain point of time and it will vanish at a certain point of time so the rope is something which is eternal it means for the Uh, From that example, we can say that rope was, is, will be. Similarly, the ultimate reality is Ajaha. It was never born. Even the cosmic mind was born because of ignorance. It was born. But the ultimate reality, Nirguna Brahman is Ajaha. There is no birth for him. It is in the eternal present, always. And in him, yet anything is to be manifested. A pranaha. There is no expression of Shakti, energy. That energy finds expression as prana. This entire creation, the two things we can find that ultimately in this creation, one is energy and another is information. But in Brahman, there's all the information is no more not there, neither it's an energy. That example which we gave, if you remember that when we send a Land Rover in the Mars. It's controlled through remote from the earth. It is moving around, that energy, the source of that energy is the remote from here. Similarly, the, uh, this, the Brahman ultimate reality is the source of prana, of all the energy, as well as all the information that the rover is, uh, what you say that it has all the information is, has been, uh, Uh, what you say, it it has been uploaded in it. So similarly, all the informations are there uh, in the Saguna Brahman. All the manifestation of Shakti is in the Saguna Brahman. The source of that Shakti, the source of that information is that ultimate Brahman, the non-dual Brahman. But in it, there is no such expression. Just that example, if we can take that when for transmitting those electromagnetic radiation for the TV channels. We need a bias voltage. As bias voltage, that is having, that is like formless, amurta. It is yet to uh, have the electromagnetic radiations with all those informations. It is just the bias voltage. With that, with the, if that bias voltage is not there, I cannot transmit. So it is the bias voltage which is formless which once it is transmitting, it is getting form, all those varied informations are there. And again, in the receiver point of view, there also the same thing, the bias voltage should be there, your TV should be connected, should be plugged in to the PowerPoint, it should be have that bias voltage, then only it can receive whatever transmission you are downloading through your particular channel. So, that as the bias voltage, which is required both for transmission as well as, well as for uh, as well as for the receiver, for both the point it is required. It is the thing for which everything is happening. Receiving is because of that bias voltage. Transmission is because of that bias voltage. But it itself is amurt. It is because but because of that everything is happening. So, heat is the foundation. That behind is the basic fundamental principle behind all the creation, though it is itself a murta beyond all attributes. So, first mantra spoke of the Saguna Brahman, and that is not the ultimate. Beyond that is the Nirguna Brahman, which has been spoken of in the second mantra. The third mantra speaks of the process of evolution of the entire cosmos from the Nirguna Brahman. So, what is been spoken of, Eta the third mantra. Eta Smaat, Jayate, Prana, Manah, Sarvendriyanicha, Khang Vayu Jyoti Rapa, Prithivi Vishwasya Dharini. In the second line, what they are saying, Khang Vayu Jyoti Rapa, Prithivi, Vishwasya Dharini. Khang speaks of space, Vayu speaks of air, Jyoti, light, Apa water, Prithivi, the earth. So, With our five senses, we perceive these five things. This entire world, this entire cosmos is nothing beyond these five things. Can I think of anything beyond these five sensations? No. Even when I'm searching for the distant stars and galaxies, it has either it has to be visible or there has to be particular radiation through which I can detect its existence that speaks of sound so light, sound, or in the earth, we find that everything has its own smell that speaks of the prithivi. It has its own taste that speaks of apaha. You will find very interesting that kung in our scripture, khang means space, has been related with your hearing. Why? If you plug when you are, you will find when when you are in plane or you want to sleep, some noise is going on. There are ear plugs. So what you have to do, you have to close the space in your ear. Without that space, the eardrum cannot vibrate. So the immediate, uh, the, the immediate, uh, the cause, the reason for hearing is the space in your ear in the in these two ear lobes. So that's why without space, the sound cannot be uh, heard. You may say in space there is no sound. It is only when there is atmospheric sound. It is actually it's speaking of the need of the space for the vibration. So that's why the Khang is related to sound. Vayu, touch. So without the this, uh, ours, uh, what you say that the even the immediate cause of this touch, the sensation of touch is Vayu. It is the bionic movement within the subcutaneous, our skin. When, in the, when the whenever we touch, there is some change in the air pressure in the with just beneath the skin, which is being perceived as touch. So, Bayu, jyoti, the light, of course, speaks of seeing. apa. if your tongue tongue is totally dry, you can never taste. So, apa with taste. And prithivi, when the when the pollen grains of the flower touches the ear, nostril, then only you can smell. So the entire creation, can is it something beyond these five sensations? No. So these five sensations is the thing beyond which, what is there? That itasma jaya, is prana, mana, sarvendriyani. With the indriyas, I see all those things. The. It's Indriyas are not only seeing these five sensations, they, they are taking it to the mind where it is. In the mind, it is processed. And once it is processed, I have to react to it. It has to find expression as action. And for action, I need prana, the energy. So this prana, mana, sarvendriyani, everything is linked with this perception. So in Vedanta, very nicely, they have said that how the Nirguna Brahman has found expression as his entire cosmos. The Nirguna Brahman first, because of ignorance, first expression is the cosmic mind, Brahma or Hiranyagarbha. In him, in it, all the informations are there as piecemeal perceptions. The concept, suppose when I see the red flower, which is a nice fragrance. When I see, I perceive it as a red as a whole, as a totality, the red flower, its shape, its color, its texture, its smell, everything as a whole I perceive. But in the mind, in the brain, which is the organ of the mind, there what is happening? There actually is a piecemeal perception is happening. At particular center of the brain, the color is perceived. At some other center, the texture, if you touch the texture can be perceived in some other center. The shape of the flower in some other center. The fragrance, of course, again in some other center, they all conglomerate to give a sensation of the flower. I never see the flower as a whole in my mind in one place. There are so many different perception centers where each perception is happening. This speaks of that in the cosmic mind, everything is present as piecemeal perceptions as a source of piecemeal perceptions. These are the sukshma bhutas. Sukshma bhuta doesn't mean subatomic particles. When world is in search of this God particle, we missed. We just forget that Vedanta's approach is from within without. It is not speaking. This when it speaks of primal matter, sukshma bhuta, it's not speaking of these subatomic particles. It is actually speaking of those piecemeal perceptions, the ideas of piecemeal perceptions, which is already there. So that's why if you uh, uh, relate to Vedanta's exact terminology, then the meaning becomes very easy. The Sukshma Bhutas has been called as Tanmatras. Tanmatra means Tatmatra. Only that, only the color, the redness, only the fragrance, only the texture, only the shape, Tatmatra, that is all there. They all conglomerate to give the sensation of the flower. Now to conglomerate, the mind is required. In the mind, all those ideas were there. When I see all the Indriyas, they are pure sattva. Because with your eyes, you cannot do any action. You can only perceive. So sattva speaks of illumination. So all these five senses, the illumination happens, which is being processed in the mind. After seeing all but after getting all the suggestions, the mind processes and then as a whole the red flower with its fragrance becomes visible and now I react. As per my temperament, I may go out, plug the flower, offer it to the altar. So for that, the organs of my action, my hand, my feet with fit me, I move, with the hand I pluck, I bring and offer it. So all these five karmendriyas, this hand, the feet, the vagendriya, the speech, and the organ of evacuation, the organ of uh, excretion and the organ of procreation. So these are the five organs of action. They are pure rajas. With that only you can do activity. You cannot perceive anything through them. But the prana shakti is a mixture of sattva and rajas. It's only when the sattva gets converted into rajas, then only the prana finds manifested. So how nicely the source of the stimuli response conditioning which defines life. That if, What is the difference between a rock and a, any sentient being? The rock doesn't respond to a stimuli. We do respond to a stimuli. That's the difference between life animate and inanimate. So how this conscious principle finds expression as the animate beings, sentient beings. Is being described with the help of this mantra that when I when I'm sleeping the Brahman is still within me. It is just has to get uh, what is connected with the mind. When I wake up, it gets connected with the mind. The mind gets activated, and then I see the world, and then I react. So all this stimuli response is happening because of the nirguna Brahman, which is behind the mind behind the prana, the vital energy that's being spoken of in the third mantra, that from that the Brahman because of uh, what you say that in the association with the ignorance with Maya finds expression as Hiranyagarbha the, or the Brahma or the cosmic mind which finds expression as the sukshma bhuta, as the primal matter, as the piecemeal perceptions, whose sattva aspect speaks or makes the Gyanendriyas, the organs of perception. And in the mind, the things, all the piecemeal perceptions were lying dormant. So they were in Tamas. When I see all those dormant uh, piecemeal perceptions, they get activated. So Tamas becomes Sattva and that again converts into action. Now I go and pluck the flower. So in the mind, where the processing is happening, Sattva, Rajas, Tamas is mixed. Though sattva is predominant, but the other gunas are there. That it was there when I was sleeping, it was there in my mind as tamas. When I wake up, see the flower, it is sattva. Now that sattva is resulting in action, I go and move out to pluck that flower. So all this gets mixed up, though the sattva, the illumination is the predominant thing. The others are in association with it. So that's why mind is a mixture of all the three gunas so there it this all the three gunas conglomerates to result in the stimuli as well as in the response so the mind the prana the pancha sthulabhuta that sthulabhuta is nothing when all the piecemeal perceptions conglomerates to give me a sense of whole When i see the red flower so many things have conglomerated the color the shape this fragrance, the texture, everything is conglomerated to give it a sense of hope. And that's this Thula bhuta. So it's actually the process by which I am perceiving unless the Nirguna Brahman as the bias voltage is beyond that as uh, the fundamental principle is all these perceptions are not possible. What to speak of perception, even after perception, no response is possible. So he is there beyond all the stimuli, response, conditioning, which we find in any living beings. That's being indicated in the third mantra. The fourth mantra speaks of the Virata. Once it finds expression as the, this, our, what you say this, a particular limited psychophysical existence, a particular being, through that being, then the universe pops up. If you are not there, if no creation is there, the universe is not there. It is the universe is created in our mind. What is out there, we never know. It is the what mind projects. That's what I call the universe. What is there or there is something, but what it is, I can never know. It is only the mind which interprets the external suggestion as the world. So now first after saying that Brahman is behind the psychophysical existence, now once this comes into existence, now through through the psychophysical existence, the world is popping up. And this, again, this world is being permeated by the Brahman. Just the bias voltage has to first activate your IC chips in in the CPU of your computer. And after activating it, then only the world of virtual reality comes into existence. So all those IC chips are like the mind and what you see in the screen, the, screen, the world of virtual, uh, uh, virtual reality is the entire creation. So that's why uh, even if you just uh, uh, go to the quantum mechanics in the modern science, they do say the world is a simulation. It's actually just a virtual reality. And these Vedantas, these this mantras actually indicates the same thing. So. After the psychophysical existence come into being, after you have that computer, the CPU, now the in the screen, the world of virtual reality will come. So here also they speak of that world of the virtual reality, which we see as reality. And that is also permeated by that consciousness. As it is there, so it is possible. So what it is saying, Agni, Murdha, Chakshushi, Chandra Suryav. The entire illumined sky is his face and the two eyes are the sun and the moon. Just to speak that the entire world of this virtual reality as a Virata, which is outside there, is nothing but the Brahman, which is being in layers of superimposition has happened. First it has superimposed as the mind, and then the mind is super is superimposing the entire creation, where the sun, the moon, the galaxies, the stars, everything are there. So that in a poetic way they're describing, the illumined sky is the face, Murdha, the head, in which the Chandra and the Surya are the eyes. Disha Srotre, Vak Vivrita Chaveda. So the quarters are his ears. All the various directions are the ears. And his speech is the Vedas. Vak Vivrita Chaveda. So Vivrita means the revealed Vedas. Why it is called revealed? Because it's not something which has been composed with along with the creation the vedas came out what it speaks of the moment creation happens from the the these galaxies are formed and everything is formed just for, forget about the vedas what what will be there it will be formed based on some fundamental cosmic principles the gravitational laws are universal in the far galaxy, the same gravitation law can be applied here. So all these laws are something which, with which the creation comes out. They were as if hidden within the creation. The laws were there. That energy which we find expression is not chaotic. It finds expression as laws. When the creation came out, it came out along with those laws. As Stephen Haw- Hawkins, who was, whoever believed in God, but he also was bound to ask in one of his later literature that who is fueling the laws? The laws cannot run by itself. As Sri Ramakrishna used to say that when in a pot the uh, vegetables are boiling in a pot of water, the vegetables are jumping, child thinks that they are conscious. And the mother to explain that they are not conscious; just have to remove the fire beneath the cauldron. He has to remove, and all the jumping stops. So who fuels those equation? So that from that the the origin, the nirguna Brahman, from whom the entire creation has came out. In him, all those eternal laws were there, as the knowledge, as the information. So the word Veda actually means the source house of all knowledge. From Vid, the dhatu, the word Veda came. Ved, the dhatu means knowledge. And Veda means the source of the knowledge. So this all the knowledge is not something which has an author. It is revealed. It was there as the breath of the Brahman. It came out along with the creation. Just like Newton never, that before, before Newton, Gravitation was there. He just discovered, he removed the covering of ignorance of the knowledge of gravitation. Similarly, the Rishis just discovered all the eternal principles which has been spoken of in the Vedas. They have not, they are not the author. That's why it is Vibrita. It, it was there, it was revealed just at the time of creation. So all these Vedas are his like speech when he sp- spoke out all those informations then only the creation has been possible vayu prana ridayam, vishwa asya so his pra- this prana is the his breath the wind is his breath but when you think of the entire creation as a purusha whatever thing constitutes me has to be imposed there so the wind is being thought of as a prana the entire universe is his heart Vishwam. Why the entire universe is heard? Because here heart means mind. The tangible universe is nothing but the modification of the mind as it is not perceived in the deep sleep. It disappears when, when, uh, when in, we are in deep sleep, only in the waking step, when the consciousness gets associated with the mind, the tangible forms are produced from the mind. So, mind here refers to that cosmic mind. So, Ridayamcha Vishwam, the entire universe is his heart. Because this entire universe is revealed from our heart, from our intellect. From his feet is produced the earth. So, this Prithivi is his feet. He is indeed the inner self of all beings. So, Sarva So, that way, the, in the Virata Purusha, that once the computer is there, then only the world of virtual reality can be there. And beyond all these things, beyond the computer, beyond the world of virtual reality, the bias voltage is there. So conscious principle is like that bias voltage. First it activates the psychophysical being. And then from that, the world of virtual reality is emanated. And that virtual reality is permeated by the Nirguna Brahman. So to explain that they have, introduce this mantra, the fourth mantra. The whatever you see is nothing but the Nirguna Brahman. He is being permeated as Virata, as this entire universe. And then from that, the how the living beings evolve from Brahman is being described in the next, the fifth mantra. In the, they take the allegory of five fires. So whatever was example was available in those days, with that they're trying to explain. What they're saying, Tasmat, Agni, Samidho, Yasya Surya, Somat Parjanya Oshadhya, Brativyam, Puman, Retaha, Shinchati, Yoshitaya, Vauhi, Praja, Purushat, Sun, The five fires. First is the sun, then is the soma. Soma trans is translated, literally is translated as the offering oblations in fire sacrifice. But here you will find the Soma, actually the fire sacrifice is going on. The moment the sun is on the sky, the water is in the ocean, just the way when I pour oblations in the fire, it moves up in the the fire, the, the flares of the fire moves up. Similarly, when the sun is there as the fire and the ocean body is there as the oblation, when the oblation is poured here where the sun heats up that oblation, the oblation moves up as the clouds origin near. So this transpiration happens. And then it comes down as the rain, from the clouds, the rains comes down and then only the vegetation is possible, Oshadhaya. Oshadha is the herbs. It is in, uh, the herbs and the plants. It is by he- eating the herbs and the plants the all the other living creatures, the male and the female component of the creatures can sustain themselves. And once they sustain themselves from them, the new life generates. So the first fire is the sun. The second fire is the process of evaporation. The third is the herbs. And the fourth is the man and the fifth is the woman. So that's how the Brahman through this process finds expression as the individual beings. All the creations that emanates uh, uh, in this, what does emanates out, is actually emanating out from that, this Purusha. From him comes the fire, whose fuel is the sun. From the oblations of sacrifice comes rain. From the rain comes the herbs that grows on earth. And from the herbs, life is sustained with, has, which has both male and female components. And from that, the living beings are born. So beyond everything again, it is the same Purusha. Just to say that it is a He from which the entire creation has emanated. Each and every being has emanated that each and every being has evolved from Brahman. The fifth mantra has been stated. The sixth mantra after that, after we take birth as a human being, we have aspirations. We want better life. In here, even in this earth, uh, as long as we live, we want better life, and we want to continue with our this existence, this limited existence in higher locus. For that, various yagyas are there. In the present day, we may not understand the yagyas. We understand all those uh, professional courses. All those things actually speaks of uh, what you say that sophisticated stimuli response conditioning that we want to live a better life. We want to live eternal life, even in this physical body, because of ignorance, it is happening. But the entire process for that, all the informations is there at the very beginning of the creation, he has made that when you want to assert yourself as an individuality, all the evolution which is possible was as information programmed initially in the cosmic mind and that's how it finds expression as all the yajyas which has been informed, which has been described in the Vedas. So all them as their basis has that Brahman from Brahman only, everything has emanated. Tasmat, rika, sama, yajumshi, Diksha So from him came the Rig Veda, the Sama Veda, the Yajur Veda. And to get initiated in this path, the process of initiation that also came from him. All the Vedic sacrifices. Uh, so uh, which doesn't which doesn't involve killing elements. The Vedic sacrifices which involve killing elements, that is the yagya and kratu, all the remunerations which has to be offered, the annual calendar which indicates at what time the yagya has to be done, this performer of the sacrifice, the various worlds which you attend by the sacrifice, everything is nothing but Brahman and Brahman alone. As we told, we were saying that it actually is been spoken of even in Bhagavad Gita, uh, In the 24th sloka of the fourth chapter, the mantra which we recite before taking food, Brahma, Param Brahma, actually indicates the same thing. The next mantra says all our perceptions and actions proceed from Brahma. That whatever we perceive, all the centers of perception are in the head. The two eyes, the two ears, in the form of these orifices. These two eyes are two orifices Two, this Golakas, two ears. To nostrils and the mouth. These seven. These seven are like the these are the Sapta prana. They are located in the head. Sapta prana prabhavanti tasmat, the seven pranas. The seven pranas came out from that. Sapta archisha. So the this from these oracles, this the prana this the self through the mind is projecting out to make the perception possible. We think that from something coming from outside goes within to make perception possible, but actually it's just the opposite. All the Indriyas are like the orifices of the projector. The mind is the projector. The mind being activated by the conscious principle projects out through the senses. So they are like the flames. So that's why this subtartisha, this, all these, the seven acts of perception are the uh, the seven flames, samidha, sapta, homa. So samidha, sapta, the seven objects of perception are the, uh, what do you say, the offerings itself. So the fire as it goes and engulfs the thing which you are going to pour as an oblation. So all the objects of perceptions are the samidha. The seven types of knowledge which generates from that is the seven homa. So generated by the seven acts of perception. So, ime loka yeshu charanti prana. The seven centers of perception in the mind are the seven lokas. And all this uh, through all these uh, orifices, orifices and through the mind, all this perception is possible because in Guha, in the, in the cave of your heart, the intellect is there, which, which in the deep sleep, it lies dormant. So that it's only when you wake up, then the perception is possible. So at the time of deep sleep, all the perceptions lies dormant in the heart. That's why it is called, it, is, it has been mentioned, Guha hita It is in the cave of the heart. So all these sets of seven has sprung from him. So that's the eighth. The ninth mantra again is very interesting. It speaks of the culture uh, the, in India. That you know that everything is worshipped. In, in Kashi there is a very famous uh, saying that Kashi ke har kankar hai shankar. We, pers- we worship the tree, we worship stone. Many say that it is superstition but behind it the philosophy if you don't know, the concept if I don't know, it apparently appears as superstition. But in Vedanta they say the world has to be deified. If it is the Brahman, which is which is finding expression as the universe, then everything has to be deified. It has. You have to see the universe as the Brahman, because that's the that's the real correct perception. because because of ignorance, I see the chair as a chair. When the ignorance vanishes, everything becomes Brahman. As we have seen that when Ramakrishna was in in Dakshineshwar was speaking to all that everything is Brahman. Naren was started joking by saying, oh, then the pot is Brahman. The tumbler is Brahman. And seeing him joking along with Hajra, he was just uh, discussing in this way and he was making fun. Ramakrishna went and touched Naren. And for three days and three nights, he started, he really started Feeling that everything is consciousness and consciousness alone. If you read his life, you will find that this is being indicated at Sri Ramakrishna used to say, as uh, the way the uh, what do you say, the the, the grass, a grass field gets drenched with water after the rain, I see the entire creation in the same way drenched with consciousness wherever wherever i see i see that brahman and brahman alone yatra yatra manoyati tatra tatra param padam drishyate i see that absolute reality a realized soul sees everywhere that consciousness that's what swami vivekananda in his lecture was saying in the uh, in the west that it is brahman and brahman alone which is finding expression as this universe try to see the brahman in this world of name and form. And someone from the audience stood up and told, Swamiji, it's a nice way of hypnotization. By this type of hypnotization, uh, we can just transcend the sufferings of life. By th- hypnotizing myself that everything is Brahman. Swami Vivekananda immediately replied, Madam, you're already hypnotized. I'm just dehypnotizing you. So what's the Upanishad is doing here? He's trying to dehypnotize by saying in the ninth mantra, Atah samudra girayascha sarve asmat syandante sindhava sarvarupa Atah cha sarva oshadhaya rasacha Yena eshabhutai Tishtate yantaratma From him come all the oceans, samudra, the mountains, the girayascha. From him flows the rivers, Asmat, syandante sindhava. Of various kinds. Sarvarupa. Atah chasarva oshadhaya. From him has came all the plants, the flavors, rasa. Yena eshe bhutai tishtatehi antaratma. It's all this what I see, these oceans, the mountains, the rivers of various kinds, the herbs, the plants, the test. Everything is possible because the ultimate reality is residing as the as my antaratma, as the inner self. Because of him, this creation is possible. He is permitting the entire creation. So it is a it is he who is finding expression as all this. So this world of name and form. Just as Sri Ramakrishna used to say that in uh, in a uh, in the model, in a a city, it's a model city, not a real city, in a a city made of walks, where we find so many houses, theatres, schools, everything, all sorts of buildings are there, ponds, uh, swimming pool, but they're all made of walks. Everything is made of walks, essence, they're walks. Similarly, it is a conscious principle which is finding expression as this world of name and form. Behind everything, it's the same conscious principle alone. As with that, there can be so many various types of golden ornaments. Some we call ring, some we call necklace, some we call earrings. We may give various names as per the utility, arthakriya karitra, as per the shape, as per the size. So, nama, rupa, arthakriya karitra comes as per the shape and size and as per the utility, but in essence, they're all gold. So this mantra also speaks that behind the entire creation as name and form as per its utility, it may have various you designated by various names, but in essence, it is a Brahman and Brahman alone. So don't get hypnotized because of ignorance by taking them as reality. Samudra is not real, the ocean is not real as ocean. It is real as Brahman. The mountain is not real as mountain. It is real as Brahman. That's what uh, Swami Samituryananda said in the last moment of his life. Brahma Satya Jagat Satya. Satya Satya Pratishtita. That that is truth because it is established in this truth. Brahmar, this in Brahma. That's the same meaning of Purnamada Purnamidam. From that Purna, this Purna, that, this entire universe this vast universe, which I think limitless, this it has came from that, from this Purna, from that non-dual reality, it has came. And when it has came out, has that diminished? No, it is just a projection. Just the way when I see snake in a rope, the rope has not vanished. So from this Purna, this Purna came. When this Purna came, it still is Purna. And when this Purna goes away, only Purna remains. So how? what a wonderful mantra. The same mantra, the Shanti mantra, is finding expression through this mantra, the ninth mantra of the first chapter of the second part of Mundaka Parisha. The world is permeated by the divine and divine alone. So see the divine and defy the world by seeing the divinity behind it. So that's being indicated in the ninth. The tenth mantra is a conclusion. That when it was asked, that what's that by knowing which, everything is known. So here that answer comes. Purusha Evedam Vishwam. Karma Tapa Brahma Paramritam. Etat Yahveda Nitham Guhaya. Sa Avidya granthim Vikirati Ihasomya. So enter the Purusha alone is the universe, which consists of work and austerity, karma and tapa. This karma, tapa, <clears throat> this word is very important. All this, all austerity is work, but all work is not austerity. This, we should remember that all austerity is work, but all work is not austerity. Because sometimes we do work as per our mood. If I like, I will do. If I don't like, I won't do. How it becomes that work becomes austerity when it is having some punctuality, some discipline. Now you will find the entire world is bound by laws. It cannot just, uh, the world cannot go on with whims and fancies. Everything, the gravitational laws, the electromagnetic laws, every laws in the physical world, even the laws govern our moral world. So this law speaks of that activities guided by some punctuality and discipline, by some rhythm. So that's why the karma has been mentioned as associated with Tapa. So this all activities, as if behind that the tapas is there, and that tapas, that rhythmic activity, that rhythm has emanated from that Satyam, the ultimate Satyam as it is there. So that's why that rhythm, this rhythm which we see in the universe. Through all the activities is possible because of that ultimate reality. So again, that nihitam guhayam, that when you, this, uh, that though Brahman is pervading the entire creation, here it is told that it it is it is in your heart. But just now it told it is in the entire uh, it is pervading the entire universe. And now why it is saying that it is in your heart? Yes, the Brahman is everywhere, but in this life. We have to realize Him in the heart. I like can communion with the Divine in the heart. As Sri Ramakrishna used to say, that, that uh, Brahman perverts everything, but it can be realized in the cave of the heart. That heart of a devotee is the God's living room. Bhakti-Ridhaya-Bhagavanir-Vaitakkhana. Sri Ramakrishna used to say. Why? That, that Though Brahman perverts everything, he can be realized in the cave of the heart. Just to give an example, the light is everywhere, but to see the light, it has, it has to be seen through the eyes. It is everywhere, but I need the eyes, that locality comes into question, to realize it. Similarly, heart, which is the center of our intellect, it's not the physical heart, the center of our intellect, in which the ultimate knowledge is revealed. So that's why it is told that it though it is all-pervading, at the same time, it resides in the cave of heart. One who realizes him in the cave of the heart, even here, before the dissolution of the body, he becomes Jivan Mukta. All the knots of ignorance falls off avidya, granthin, vikirati, Kesamya. This is the assertion of Vedanta that for liberation, you need not have to die. You need not have to go to some other planes of existence. It is not a post-mortem experience or post-mortem existence, state of existence, state of being here, now, it is possible. So don't seek, see him, well, because he is everywhere. Don't seek him in the future, he is here and now. I still remember that uh, a, uh, one speaker in Brisbane, in some interfaith meet, he was a Sikh speaker, He told a very interesting thing that always uh, after my name, I write God is nowhere without any sphere, without any space. Just after D, don't give space, immediately you write I, S. And then after S, don't give space, write N, O, and then where, W, H, E, I, no space. So most of the people think that I am an atheist, God is nowhere, but it is only the way you read. Where you give the space, the entire meaning changes. If you give the space after God and then uh, after is after no after where it becomes God is nowhere. But the same words can be with the by changing the space can be rearranged as God is now here. Just you try in your home that God is nowhere. We just change the spaces; it becomes God is now here. The one who has realized, who has gone beyond the ignorance, even for once, have gone through that mystic experience to that state of existence from where the entire creation is being projected. He has gone beyond the ignorance. Nothing can bind him. As Swamiji used to say that when he was passing through the desert, he saw the huge uh, reservoir He was thirsty. He approached. As he was approaching, it vanished. And then it dawned in his mind, oh, it is just a mirage. I have heard of it. Intellectually, I had an idea of it. But for the first time, I realized. So what's the result? Next day, when I'm again passing through the desert, I do see the reservoir again. That as I have understood it's a mirage, it won't vanish. It again comes. But there's a difference. Yesterday, because of ignorance, it dragged me. Today it has lost the power to drag, to pull me. I know it is just a mere projection. So that's the state of liberation. This world loses its hold on me. And that's the state of Jivan Mukti. Though I am living, I'm free from all the so-called the leos of the world, which drags me and binds me. And after saying this, that when you realize that, and when the Avidya Granthi falls off, and you are liberated, then only you really know, not before that. Before that, it is just a mere intellectual knowledge. So that's why even after saying Purusha Vedam Vishwam, the entire universe is the Purusha, which consists of all the activities, all the prana, the world is nothing but the expression of Shakti. Whatever Shakti is expression, in rhythm, as laws you see, everything has emanated from that. But this is just intellectual knowledge. It has to be realized in your intellect by the cleansing of your mind. You have to go to that realization. And when you go that, then only the avidya granthi, vikirati, is not of ignorance that falls off, rendering you freedom even while living. And then only you have really known the one by knowing whom everything is known. So, how nice these mantras. It appears like the riddle sometimes. You have to just decipher the meaning. And once you've deciphered the meaning, it immediately gives a sense of liberation. The real liberation will is waiting for us. But when we read, a new portal opens up. The new way of thinking, a new awareness opens up, gives us a much broadened perspective. And we start building our life on that broadened perspective. And that's why they are called mantras. Each and every one of these is a mantra because they help us to broaden our perspective, and not only that, it helps it immediately motivates us to build our life, to go on building our life on the broadened perspective. So that's why they are mantras. Mananath trayate. Just by cogitating mentally, cogitating upon it, mananath trayate it liberates you. So with this mantra, the upanishads the first chapter of the second part of mundaka is concluded so we will uh, continue our study with the second chapter of the second part of mundaka upanishad again from the next class so with this we conclude our discussion today thank you all Namaskars.